0: You know, we had to earn the win tonight, it's a tough place to come, obviously they're desperate for a result and um, you know they challenge you in different ways here You know, with a lot of balls in the box throws and free kicks and you have to deal with it and I thought for the most part we handled it really well and uh, still played some decent football uh, within that, created some good chances, uh, scored two good goals and then had to show some, obviously some character and resilience towards the end there but even that I thought we handled it really well. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a complete different First team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special.
1: Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 156, and it is a big one. We've got a lot to talk about in this one, and I've got someone alongside who I know is chuffed to bits. It's Caroline. She is at CG Stefco. Caroline, Spurs women have picked up their first ever victory over Arsenal in the WSL, a 1-0. How are we feeling on this fine Saturday?
2: Unbelievable. Just the best weekend to be a Tottenham fan. Honestly, I can't I, I can't believe it. I honestly can't. The the performance was just incredible. And and to borrow a line from Todd, any day you get to talk about two clean sheets in one weekend, it's a good freaking day.
1: <laughs> it's a good freaking day indeed. Um we are definitely gonna come on to talking about the men's victory as well over Nottingham Forest, but there's there's no other place to start this podcast than to talk about uh, Tottenham Hotspur Women won. Arsenal nil at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on a Saturday this we kind of have to pair this and we talked last week about you know there there were two games against Arsenal this week and the midweek performance was really good as well a 3-3 draw that Spurs went on to um, go down in penalties in League Cup but let's just start with this 1-0 first because this was about as complete a performance as I don't want to be hyperbolic and say that we've ever seen from Spurs, but almost that we've ever seen from this club, right?
2: Well, I think probably the most complete that has actually ended up in a win because we've had some some games, you know, even this season where we've played really well and it, it felt like everything was starting to come together. But, you know, maybe just a little bit of lack of finishing or just a, a careless mistake at the back has cost us. But today... Just everything went perfectly. (laughs) Um, You know, we I'm sure we're going to talk about the goal itself, which was just a beautiful team goal. But I think for me, the biggest thing in this game was the defense was so solid. And we have not had very good games defensively um, in recent weeks. So that was really reassuring to see. Um, You know, I think Molly Bartrip had a huge game, put in some really important blocks and clearances. You know, Angerad James even came up with a really big headed clearance, uh, which, you know, you don't always expect from her. And actually the biggest talking point was Barbara Votakova getting her first WSL start, you know, her debut in the league. And for her to have put in that performance to make key saves, um, I felt like she, she did a really good job of helping out with, you know, her, her distribution, getting the attack started. Just an all around great performance from her. and yeah, I, I need you to come in because once again, I'm almost speechless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, again, we're not going we're not going to just talk about this game because I want to like latch this on to the midweek performance as well because I do think when you play the same team within the span of of three or four days, you do have to kind of pair them together. But this performance alone was so important not only just for the you know the, the the status of of this team building something, but going up against Arsenal in this in this way. Um, it was and, and you're right, that the performance from from Vodakova it was it was so massive and she even picked up the the the, 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 the time wasting yellow card after the goal came, which was I just thought just so brilliant. Uh, moving the ball. Um, if you didn't catch this game, I, you, you missed out. And I would encourage anyone who can to go back and watch it. I was pleased to note, and I'm glad you pointed this out uh, yesterday on Friday, that this game was actually on CBS Sports Network here in the States. So a national TV audience got to see this performance from this Spurs women team. And it was, it, it was just... It was enjoyable to wake up early this morning on a Saturday and be able to watch this, especially coming off the backs of the midweek performance and then the men's performance yesterday. It's just like everything's coming up really white this week. Before we go any further, I do want to apologize to the to the listeners for my voice. I am still battling whatever I've been battling for the last week and a half. So that is why I sound. It, it's not that I was I was like excited and screaming at the television this morning while watching this game in bed, much to the chagrin of my wife. But it, it is, it is just still the illness that I'm getting over. I'm if you can hear there's a there's a um a cough drop even in my mouth right now as I'm trying to battle my way through this. But uh I'm just so excited to talk because this is this was so exciting to watch. Where do you want to do you want to start with Otakova and her performance? Because it was like we knew that Arsenal was going to throw everything at the goal and she just stood on her head for, for lack of a better term. That's, I know that's a hockey term, but like she was all over the place, blocking, blocking shots and paring things away. It was, it was really, really impressive. And as you said, her first WSL start.
2: Yeah. And it probably is a good time to go back to the midweek game because, you know, that was, she's only been featuring in the cup game so far, but even in those previous cup games, I feel like we didn't really get to see, everything that she was capable of because we were dominating possession in those games and you know Bristol and gosh I'm blanking on who the other team was now Reading they they just really didn't get a lot going in the attack so we didn't really get to see her shot stopping ability but obviously she did a great job in the cup game you know we we came out with a draw in the end but I thought we really got to see you know kind of the breadth of her skill set over these two games And it's also important to note that in the cup game, Arsenal had completely rotated their team, Um, you know, except for, I think Katie McCabe was the only, you know, kind of holdover from their usual starting lineup. She was their captain, but they had switched goalkeepers. They had switched all of their other outfield players. So that's why I felt a little trepidation about, you know, the, the league game because we knew that they were going to come out with their stronger lineup or, you know, should be stronger lineup in theory. Um, But actually, I think we really held our own against an incredibly strong Arsenal team. I mean, we talk about this all the time, the kind of disparity and the squad investment between Spurs women and some of these top teams in the WSL. And you really wouldn't know it today watching this game necessarily because I felt like, you know, especially the midfield, we, we kind of won that battle, honestly. And this was not our first choice midfield either. Um, you know, we had Kit Graham and Ramona Petzelberger come in playing in kind of a little bit more defensive role that neither of them are really accustomed to. And I thought Kit Graham especially just really showed out today she she was getting every single attack going and I'm not going to say we had a lot of attacks because clearly, you know, the possession was tilted in Arsenal's favor and, you know, they outshot us by quite a bit, but um, I thought, I thought she was really smart with a lot of her, her play. And just, by the way, we, do, you, do you,
1: did you see the shot disparity? Do you know the shot numbers? Did you look at the stat sheet?
2: I, I saw at the end, shot. but like, I don't remember 30, the exact number. No. <laughs>
1: 31 total shots for Arsenal in this match. Um, yeah. Eight of them on target. 60% possession for Arsenal to to Spurs. 40. It, 31 to five in terms of total shots, um, and eight to three in terms of shots on goal. It, it, it was, you know, on balance, just as about as lopsided as you could get in terms of the, the way the field was tilted. If you look at the momentum and everything, but really it was just that one attack. And it's not even. I don't even think it's proper to call this a smash and grab because. Spurs were just playing well defensively throughout. And as you said, that midfield Clinton Graham Bizette was incredible in this match. I thought, and 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 she's been on real form, which has been really great to see. And then obviously Martha Thomas just coming through and doing what she does and banging goals. She's been doing it all season long. And I, I don't I don't mean to jump in and cut you off, but like this is this was just the performance of a lifetime from so many of these players. Unfortunately, there was the the Lana Bowler injury early on. Um, which forced Amy Turner to come on. But aside from that, I I think the only other thing you can point out is that Beth England got another start, which is great. We love to see it, but we can also see that she's so far off the pace right now and she's just not up to snuff in terms of her fitness. Um, And I also, you know, I want to say that's kind of also a good thing because you know, there's more to come there. You know, that a player of Beth England's level can can still grow into this team and the way that it's been playing. And she came off at halftime. And by the way, Jess Naz came on and was incredible as well. Like Jess, Jess Naz came on for it and continued her form. She scored twice at midweek in the League Cup game and then comes on and puts in a great 45 minutes in place of, of Beth England who came off. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what, what else you can say about, you know, these different players and all the different parts of, of the team that were just up up to the challenge of what what we knew was going to be a hefty mountain to climb and you know that the, the fans showed out at the stadium it was great i thought honestly the arsenal fans showed out too the the away end was packed it was a it was a really good atmosphere just in general and a great performance all around
2: yeah and speaking to the fact that you know this game was on television here in the us i i just feel very happy that you know perhaps people are getting introduced to this team and they really got to see us at our best. That feels really good. Um, It's, it's interesting that we've got this winter break coming up and it kind of comes at a bad time for Beth England because you really would like her to be kind of ramping up, um, you know, with more game time. I do know that we're going to have a friendly um, shortly, you know, into the new year. I think we're going to be playing Charlton. Robert said, but there are definitely some players who do need this break desperately <laughs> um, in terms of just getting, getting some respite. You know, players like Luana Buhler is carrying this injury that we know about. I think it's her quad. But then like Celine has just been playing out of her skin. Um, and she, she gave everything she had to give in this game. And I thought, you know, obviously she gets the assist for the goal. Jess makes that really important kind of decoy run. Uh, to free up some space for Martha to come into the box. So it was just very intelligent play all around. And, you know, once again, the defense I think was really the huge standout for me and Amy Turner deserves a lot of credit. I don't normally give her credit, so I'm going to do it now Uh, because, you know, she had to come in and play, you know, half the game essentially. And I thought she did a really great job. She had a really important block as well. So it's, it's just, this was the team playing at their maximum. And, and, and we know it's not our full strength team either. So it feels like there's still opportunity for us to improve upon this performance even. And we were talking, you know, before the recording about an interview that Robert did after the game saying that we've got players coming in, you know, these deals are already ready to go. They just need to be announced. So to have a little bit of refreshment in the squad is gonna be really important. And I, have we talked about our new signing yet? I don't think we have right we
1: we did we did on the last pod okay. um yes. but but honestly, like that that is you know you speak about the month off now and and the winter break i I get what you mean about how especially for someone like Beth England, that could be a bad thing because you want her to get the match fitness, but also it could serve as like a a preseason for her to get ready for this second half push, um which I think is is important as well. and I also don't want to gloss over the fact that. They did earn a point in the League Cup group stage midweek, which is a good thing. They're, they're in good position to advance in the League Cup. This this victory puts them firmly in the top half of the table. It prevented Arsenal from going top over Chelsea. Look, we're, we're not going to get over our skis here. Spurs women are still a ways from breaking into that top class of the WSL. But this is the kind of building block type of step that you can look back on, say, in a year or 18 months from now and say, remember that? That was the start of, you know, the stepping stone to where this team wants to go. And I think that's really important. I don't want to gloss over the goal. If, if you haven't, if you didn't get to, watch, get to watch this game or plan on going to watch it back and you think, oh, okay, a one nil, watch the goal? The goal was such an important team goal. I think there were six or seven players involved in the buildup to it in terms of the passing. It was just so brilliant. The cross and Martha Thomas just just slots it in so perfectly. And she is now joint top scorer in the WSL after this goal. It's just, it it was such a brilliant goal and it wasn't, it was, I guess you could kind of call it counterattacking, but it was like, you know, it it was, it was part of the, part of the mold for the way that they wanted to play this game. They knew Arsenal were going to come at them. They knew Arsenal were going to have, you know, most of the ball. But honestly, in that final let's call it 20 minutes or so. I mean, the goal came in the 58th minute. So really, let's call it the final 30 minutes or so. And then, gosh, there were 11 minutes added on at the end of the game. So really, the final like 40 minutes of this match, Arsenal were throwing everything forward. And I didn't have... I mean, sure, I had that concern that there was going to be an equalizer. But I felt more confident than I think I ever had watching the way that this team was so disciplined and set up. And going back again, tying this to, to the, league ma- the League Cup match at midweek, Spurs went ahead three different times in this match, went up 1-0, conceded to make it 1-1, went up 2-1, conceded to make it 2-2, went up 3-2, and then conceded. And the first goal, I mean, the first goal Arsenal scored came maybe 90 seconds after Spurs went ahead. I mean, it was, it was honestly, it was frustrating because Spurs had so much going forward in that match, even away from home, and were sloppy and we're not coming, you know, we're, we're getting out of position defensively at the back and immediately conceding, which was tough to watch. That was a good performance, you know, to go away and, and get a draw, um, lose it on penalties, so what? But this performance, to come back a few days later and go ahead and then keep your shape and play so well defensively, that final 30 to 40 minutes, I was more way more confident than I've ever been that this team was going to come away with it. And honestly, part of it, two went to the woman between the sticks because she was incredible. Is, is this, this is a question that we got from, uh, from Paul Hamilton. Do, do we think that this is a changing of the guard at, at the keeper position now uh, moving ahead into January? Is, is that, is that something that we see because we have not seen, we have not seen Becky Spencer in that position. Now it's, it's been Vitakova the last few games. What do what do we think?
2: Well, you know, I think it, it very well could be because much as i Love Becky Spencer, and you know, think she's been a really important player for us at times. She is getting closer to the end of her career, and I know she's had persistent injury issues. Frankly, we also have to talk about the fact that this is probably a difficult time for her on the mental side of the game because she's been going through a lot of stuff with her national team, issues with the Confederation, and I I feel like that may have slightly played a part in in her last few games, Um, not going so well, but. I think it's less about Becky having a poor run of form as much as it is Barbara coming in and looking really confident, being a good fit for the style of play. I think I would feel good about her getting a run of games, you know, after after seeing these two performances from her. And it, it's obvious that she's a very confident person and player. Um, <laughs> definitely watch her post-game interviews if you haven't yet, because they are a hoot. But... Yeah, I think that she has a big opportunity here if, if she wants to take it to, to claim that number one spot. Um, and I think that's something that we've kind of needed at Spurs Women for a while. Because, you know, in, in recent seasons, it was kind of a situation where we were sharing the game load between the keepers. And I think the defense probably would benefit from having a, a consistent presence behind them. Um, and in today's game, it looked like they really had taken some lessons from the midweek cup game, you know, things they did not do as well and were able to improve upon them. And just that whole defense working as a unit with Vodakova. Uh, it was really great. So I I think I would like to see her get some games. Yeah.
1: No question. What else, what else do we have about this game? Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Because this was obviously I, I, I was encouraged to see the atmosphere and more, more games in the stadium would be great. I know it's tough with scheduling and, All of that thing but this was obviously we talked last week about how this game was promoted and some of the ways that it maybe could have been promoted a little bit better but it was nice to see a turnout and it was nice to see a performance and just like kind of stars aligning for for this to be a really big it was the only game on the wsl schedule today all the other games are are tomorrow sunday as we as we talk here on a saturday so kind of a spotlight on this game uh early in the day on a saturday i just thought it was really cool to see
2: yeah, I think the crowd did play an important part in the performance. You heard from some of the players after the game that they really were getting a lot of energy from the crowd. And although this wasn't the largest crowd that we've seen for a game like this, I mean, there there was a time in the past where we actually had set the WSL previous record for attendance um, in a game with Arsenal at our stadium. But... I think that the crowd that was there was very engaged and, you know, they, they did make a difference. And what I've heard from people who are inside the stadium is that it really felt like the club did a better job of embracing the women's team this time around. You know, they, they, they just had more um, visibility within the stadium and the fan shop. Um, so I think those things are really good to see and a sign of progress. And we just have to, we got to build on it this time, you know. I feel like there have been times in the past where we've not capitalized on some of the better performances and kind of let that momentum go in terms of, of the fan base. So yeah, that's, that's an area of opportunity, but I think just a great job from all the fans who were in attendance today.
1: Uh, it's almost a full week, month off now for Spurs. I mean, it's, it's a winter break. Uh, they return to action January 14th in the FA cup. That draw happened earlier this week. They will face Sheffield United in the FA cup Sheffield United, a very mid table championship uh, team. So hopefully an opportunity to, you know, get some, some players a a run out there and get a victory. And then they return to the WSL a week after that against West Ham uh, away. So, you know, a little bit of time off here, as we mentioned to get, get their bearings and, you know, relish in this victory, get some signings in, as you mentioned, um, which should be coming in January. So it, this could be a totally different-looking team by the time we come around to the middle of January, but that's not a bad thing either. Reinforcements and uh, a push to the second half. So I think all positive things to look forward to on that side of of, of the game. So it should be fun to watch.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: move on to talk about the men. Men played yesterday a 2-0 victory against Nottingham Forest and you might say, "Oh, 2-0 victory away to Nottingham Forest. That that's good. Nothing nothing wrong with that. We'll we'll take it." Eh, not so fast. Uh, this this game had a little bit of extra to it and a little bit of um a little bit of cringe if you will. There was there was a lot to take from this one. Goals from McCharlison right before the half and Kulusevski in the second half uh which will come on to but I think the big talking point coming out of this has to be Eve Basuma uh, and picking up yet another red card. I don't. I hate to start with the bad and talk about a 2-0 victory in this context, but um, Basuma picks up his red card uh, in the 70th minute and forces Spurs to play the final 20 minutes or so a man down and kind of under a lot of pressure from a Nottingham Forest team that frankly did not have a lot going for it and was not very good. Spurs still managed to have 67% of the ball in this game. They, you know, didn't they, they got out shot, however, the XG was pretty close 1.57 to 135 for, for Nottingham Forest. I like I said, I hate to start on this kind of sour grapes note about Basuma, but we've been talking about Eve Basuma for months now. Uh not months, weeks in just in terms of his performances. And it seemed like when Pat Matesar came back into the lineup, Basuma's level had gone a little bit higher, but the disciplinary effect of basuma getting another red card and he will now face a four match ban plus he's going off to to afcon in january we're not going to see basuma back until february i would guess and honestly i know you and i kind of share this opinion probably not a bad thing because he has been a liability is the best way to put it
2: yeah i mean liability is exactly the word i've been using to describe him for what feels like weeks now um, ever since he he had that first suspension, it feels like his his game has just been, I don't know, it's like he's he's very absent minded out there. It's just been kind of careless all around. And you know, I've seen some people complaining about the red card and saying that, you know, it wasn't malicious. And I don't think that really is the point with him. Um, I think it's more just the lack of intent uh, in general around his game, too many stray passes giving up possession too easily and in opportunities for the opponent to score, you know, off of those moments. So uh, yeah, I will not be upset to see him out of the side for a few weeks. I honestly think if, if he's going to have, you know, a career at Spurs, he's going to have to put that behind him completely when he comes back. But I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, honestly, but because of our, you know, midfield depth being kind of, obviously shaky with the injuries uh, that we've had this season. I don't think he's likely to leave the club. So um, that kind of is what it is. Definitely not my favorite player, but I agree with you in general about this game. It was not an easy two nil win by any means. Um, it's not that Nottingham Forest were really offering anything in a footballing sense. It was just a, the physical element, to be honest. Um, yeah. But I think we were finding that kind of hard to deal with at times. And we, we saw some kind of, you know, brilliance from both Richarlison and Kulisevsky, who I think it's good that they're continuing this, this run of form that they've been on because, you know, we, we know that, that the squad is very thin right now. So we need those top performers to continue performing, but yeah, Nottingham just <laughs> pretty embarrassing game from them, to be honest. And they also could not hit the broad side of the barn uh, when they did get shots, so we we may have gotten a little lucky on a few of those chances that they had. That they their finishing was woeful.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, you're you're talking about the fact that uh, it's good to see those performances in spite of everything that went on in the physicality in the game. Uh, look, everyone knows that I'm not one to get on officiating or refereeing decisions, but this game was officiated pretty poorly. Like to be perfectly honest, it was. There were 16 fouls committed by Nottingham Forest. They picked up two yellow cards, uh, and the first of those came in the 82nd minute. The second in the 90th. Spurs had four had 11 total fouls committed and had four yellow cards and the red card before Nottingham Forest had even picked up a yellow. So, and that's not to say that the decision against Basuma was wrong. It was completely the correct decision. It was a foolish foul, and I think what what hurts about the Basuma challenge and subsequent red card more than anything is that you're talking about a situation in which you're up two nil you're away from home. You have a thin squad. You've already lost Brennan Johnson to injury earlier in the match, which luckily we did hear from Ange pustacoglu in the post game that it was just a cut on his head. There was no concussion. He should hopefully be fine, but that was a scary moment in which you've already, you know, you've already had to make a first half substitute because of an injury and you're up two nil. You're just trying to see out a match. And he makes that challenge and causes more stress and more pressure to the rest of the team for the rest for these final twenty or so minutes of the game. It's unnecessary. Um, it was foolish. There's also an Adogi yellow card in there, which again the officiating was somewhat questionable. But he's he's now going to serve a suspension for picking up a fifth yellow card. Pat Matissar got a yellow card in this game, which I also thought was a fairly questionable yellow card. And Sonny picked up a yellow card in this game, which is just like. Sonny never picks up bookings. Um, it was just very a, a bizarrely officiated match, but that's not to take anything away from the red card decision because it was a proper decision. Nottingham Forest did have the ball in the back of the net at one point, yet there were four players clearly offside, and VAR took like a minute and a half to figure that out. Like I said, strangely officiated game, and I'm not one to question officiating very often, but it, for Spurs to get a 2-0 victory in spite of all of those things... I think is important, but we still needed to start and hamper on all of these things that kind of Spurs didn't do great, I think, to start.
2: Right. Yeah, I don't think the officiating helped by any means. And it does feel kind of frustrating that ever since that Liverpool game, it feels like we, we're we just getting no calls in our favor. For Nottingham Forest to have gone that long without a yellow card after being that physical, it just it doesn't make sense. And something stinks about that. I know a lot of people pointed out their player Yates constantly onto the ref about wanting yellow cards for us. And somehow he didn't get booked for, you know, dissent himself. So that's a strange one. But yeah, it kind of feels like there have been times this season where, you know, we've had really bad luck with the injuries, but there have also been times when we've made it hard on ourselves, frankly, just from lack of focus, I think, when it comes to those kind of late challenges that we keep seeing. And like I've said in the past, I'm willing to be a little more lenient with a player like Udagi, not just because he's young and still getting used to the league, but also because he's actually contributing something um, going forward, which I feel has not really been the case with Basuma. So it's it's a little different there for me um, in terms of my perception of them. But yeah, we just, we had to go about it the hard way this time. And it doesn't take away the fact that we scored two really great goals. Well, I should say one great goal and one goal kind of gifted to us by Matt Turner. So thank you yeah. to our American compatriot for that one. Um,
1: yes. So, so salute and and all, all, all blessings to Matt Turner for just being yeah. really, really bad. And that, that serves you right to, for signing for Arsenal, you jerk. Before we come onto the goals, I do want to, I want to zoom out for a second and talk about this disciplinary thing going on with Spurs, because obviously, We saw Romero serve a ban. We're going to see Adogi go out, as I said. The yellow cards are piling up and the red cards are obviously piling up. We're going to see Basuma serve a second red card ban. And I was thinking about this, and they even talked about this a little bit in the post-match on NBC here in the States. I can't remember who the pundits were. I think it was Tim Howard and maybe Danny Higginbottom. I can't remember. But there was a discussion about this kind of record that Spurs are, are, are building up in terms of discipline. And it, it, I had thought about it even before I saw their conversation, but is, is there something to be said for quote-unquote Angeball causing more of, the, more of this disciplinary record because this team is going forward and being so front-footed and it's causing them to be more out of position and causing them to have to put in more rash challenges and pick up bookings? Or is do we just have a bunch of bird brains in this team right now? Like do we just have a bunch of players who are dum-dums who need to like put up or shut up and like start playing with a, a, a better head on their shoulders? Cause I, I don't know where where that balance is. And I feel like there is a little bit of a a macro conversation to be had about whether or not Angeball... Ball and I had, I had not had the time to look into Ange's previous teams and if there was a perhaps a, a hefty yellow card slash red card total for maybe his team at Celtic or or some of his previous teams. But it feels to me a little bit like this team is playing so fast and so forward and so front footed that on occasion, you're going to have to make a, a risky challenge and risk getting a yellow in order to stop something coming back your way. Is there anything to that
2: for you? I think there's something to be said for perhaps the overall pace of our game contributing to it. But I don't think it's necessarily like from a tactical perspective, you know, sort of highlighting the weaknesses of the system because most of these challenges have really not come from, you know, for example, a team being on the counter attack and us desperately trying to stop that. They're not like professional fouls. They're honestly, most of them have been very unnecessary fouls. Um, a lot of them happening even in our attacking half. So, yeah, to me, it's not necessarily a product of the system so much as players playing with a lot of intensity overall, really wanting to prove themselves under this new manager and that leading them to make, you know, some, some silly mistakes. But I don't, I I definitely don't want us to change the way we're playing in general. Um, I think that would be the wrong takeaway Uh, to take out of this sort of disciplinary fiasco. (laughs) I think it's more just the individual players needing to take some responsibility for themselves and, you know, tighten up that aspect of their, their personal game.
1: I think there's also something to be said for the thinness of the squad in general, like emphasizing the fact that, you know, you lose Romero for, for three matches at a crucial point of the season. And you don't really have, like at one point you were playing Emerson Royale at right center back, which is not ideal and credit to, Emerson, like he he did an okay job in that role, like, but not an ideal setup because we're so thin at center back. Van Veen's injury contributed to that. James Madison's injury contributes to problems in the midfield. You don't ideally want to have to be bringing on Oliver Skip because I don't think he's an end ball type of, of midfielder. But that's what happened in this match after you know after Brendan Johnson went down. So like the, we we've talked a lot about the just the the paper thin nature of the depth of this team. And when you're adding injuries plus disciplinary issues onto that, it really emphasizes, I think, a problem. Whereas, you know, if this team had the depth of, like, Manchester City or, you know, some of these other teams that have really dumped a lot of money in, I think it would be less of an issue. But I do still think there is something to be said about just the the number of challenges and, like you said, the unnecessary nature of some of them. I wouldn't call Romero's challenge in the Chelsea game unnecessary it was a little unlucky but also like it, it you, you're going to have those sometimes with Romero and his style of game the basuma ones both of them now the red cards unnecessary the adogi you know some of the some of the stuff he's picked up bookings for have been extremely unnecessary as well if you ask me it's just it's one of those things that's that's growing a little bit old and a little bit tired and i am I'm kind of done with seeing bookings. I I want a little bit more discipline with this team, but you have to turn the knobs and 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 get the dials right in order to strike a balance between not losing your edge and not losing, you know, the the nature of going forward and and attack 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 and also being able to keep it under control and making the challenges when they're necessary. So, it's a it's a it's a job for Ange and it's a it's a task for him as a manager to Um, to coach that, I think. And I'm I'm interested to see him take on that challenge.
2: Same. Yeah. That's, that's really going to be, I think the biggest test for him in these next few games is (laughs) keeping everybody focused. And actually one player, I think we probably should shout out for being very disciplined is Ben Davis. He has done an immense job. (laughs) He just laid me up perfectly. Yes.
1: I'm so Um, glad you said his name. Yes.
2: He's come in, you know, he's come into this position that is not his favorite position and you know, it's, it would be really easy for us to focus on the things that he is not, the ways that he is different from Vandevin. But I, I think he's at the same time kind of shown what he can offer, which is just being a very cool head <laughs> in a defense that frankly needs a character like that right now, especially. And, you know, he's he's come up with some big moments in the last few games. So I'm I'm happy to see him performing well and, you know, kind of like with the women's team talking about players taking their moments to get into the lineup and and running with them. I think he's done that. And Vicario also deserves a lot of credit for preserving his clean sheet in this game. He came up with some big saves. Um, And I think just his energy has been really important too. And to see him, you know, gathering the defense to celebrate that clean sheet after the game, I felt like that was a really feel-good moment. And he's a player who has just come into the squad, and it feels like he's been here forever, (laughs) even though he's a brand-new signing so yeah, just really loving Vicario and Goal.
1: And by the way, I I totally glossed over the fact that Ben Davis also picked up a yellow card in this match, although it was just his first of the season, and we are now 17 games in, so we're we're getting close to the reset in we'll terms of halfway through the season. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll allow the one, especially when the the cards were were being doled out uh, in this match in kind of a very strange manner. I, that was that was the thing about the officiating. I thought that this match. There were so many fouls that were being allowed. And then all of a sudden the cards just started getting pulled out. It was very, um, I don't know. It was very strange. So I wasn't fully prepared for that. When, when it comes to the injury to Brendan Johnson, before we come on to the goals, and I do want to talk about the goals because they were important. The injury to Brendan Johnson happens. What was your thought on the sub? Because Oliver skip comes in and moves Kulisewski out to the wing instead of keeping him centrally, maybe bringing in, I don't know, Brian heel instead to replace Johnson what was your thought on that would you were you okay with that move
2: I was okay with it because you know we've just got done talking about players needing to kind of focus in and that is sometimes the complaint I have about Skip is that he can be a little wild (laughs) for lack of a better word but I felt like he he really reined it in in this game and he didn't try to do anything you know risky he was just very much trying to keep an even even keel um, because I think our midfield needed a little bit of that in this game especially with it being such a tense environment with this very physical game from Nottingham Forest you know I I appreciated that he brought that approach in this game but also I think Kulisewski going back out to the wing I've loved seeing him in the central role but he still can be really effective out there especially against a team like Nottingham Forest where you know, we might need that kind of laser precision cross um, like we saw for Richie's header for the first goal. So I think he made the most out of having to make that change. He's I mean, he's he's been playing just phenomenally and his own goal, you know, like we said, it was it was a bit of a gift. But at the same time, he put so much power on that shot that Turner couldn't do anything about it. So yeah, I, I love to see that he's He's just showing up no matter what his role is on any given day, and I think that kind of evokes the Angel ethos overall. So he's he's been great.
1: Yeah, I would have like I'm in the, I'm in the camp that I probably would have rather seen Brian Heel come on for Brennan Johnson in just a straight swap. But also, I haven't been uberly impressed with Brian Heel either, as opposed to Oliver Skip. So, it's kind of a pick your poison situation. This is kind of what we're talking about with the paper thin nature of just the backups at this point. But yeah, the goals like, like Dan Kulicevsky, man of the match for me, He's he's been incredible these last few weeks. And we got a really nice interview with him, uh, with the club afterwards, talking about the celebration, the goal celebration. I thought the funniest part of that was that Richarlison kicked the ball into the seats and then had to go find another ball so that Kulicevsky could do his baby celebration congrats to him and his partner they are expecting in april but kolosowski has been just a man possessed of late uh he has been incredible and honestly like you said whether he's playing centrally kind of in more that james madison number 10 type role or playing out wide he's making the most of every opportunity he gets with the ball his stamina has been something we've seen late in games too where he's you know just like holding play up and and doing just wondrous things with the ball and um, to have an assist and the goal in this game was just remarkable and credit to Richarlison once again for, for keeping his, his hot streak going, but cool. So he put that thing on a platter for him and then, we already talked about Matt Turner and his—I um, don't know what you call that—but you know the the bad clearance and then just kind of getting completely dunked on by Koleszewski. I just uh, all plaudits to to Dan Koleszewski. He has been the 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 ginger Sweden Swede that we've all all wanted. Uh, he's been really really good of late.
2: Yeah, and I do just want to give Richarlison some more love as well because it, it's obvious now. Kind of like we saw with Sonny last season, with him carrying that significant injury. It does make a difference. I feel like Richie's just playing so much freer now, um, and with confidence. So it's it's really good to see because we need contributions from everyone this season, um, especially writing out this sort of injury crisis as we're we're still going to be dealing with into the new year. So I I just was really happy to see him not just get the brace. In the previous game, but then to build on it with another goal today, just and he's a great person. So I feel like I really am invested in him succeeding, you know, on kind of a personal level. It's, it's nice to see. And, you know, son, we didn't really talk about, but I think he had a pretty solid game. Um, you know, he he had that opportunity really early on that he missed. But yeah, I, I feel like the whole forward line did really well in this game.
1: It is kind of incredible when you think about Richarlison and all the chatter for lack of a better word around his game in the last few months and he goes off and has this surgery to his his pelvic area for lack of a better term and all of a sudden like he's he's throwing that pelvic area around and scoring goals like he's healthy all of a sudden it's like holy shit is that all this guy needed he just needed a little bit of um you know tender love and care and now he's he's scoring goals left and right could could this be like the turning point to this dude is healthy and look there was even a moment in this game it was early on but he went down and he really softly and i was like okay richarlison like like i almost legitimately i almost put in our group chat richarlison stay on your feet challenge because I was seeing a lot of the old Everton Richarlison going down at the slightest touch and trying to draw something, which is frustrating for me watching that. But this dude has stepped up, and he's played really, really well in the ha- last handful of games. And it's not even just the goal scoring. It's his overall game has looked good. It's almost like he has the the freedom and mobility to do what he wants with his body because he's now healthy. I, I I'm I'm intrigued by that, and that whole rise for him coming off of this surgery and I'm not trying to be funny like and make light of the fact that it was a, a, a pelvic injury but like that's what it was and he's he's obviously he's he's able to open up his hips now and do more with his body and he physically just looks a lot better
2: right and I, th- I think there's probably also something to be said about the fact that some of the pressure that he was probably feeling early in the season to you know quote-unquote replace Harry Kane's goals has probably dissipated now that you know I don't think people are thinking about Harry Kane as often these days except for that commentator in our last game uh, which I'm still upset about (laughs) but yeah I think he's like I said just playing much freer and you know there is the physical component like you said he physically can move better and that makes a huge difference but yeah I feel like he's he's just getting into a a good stride and we're going to hopefully see the best of him in a Spurs shirt, you know, through these next string of games.
1: There's no question about it. We got another question from Paul Hamilton going back to that midfield. And let's, let's just kind of talk about that looking forward now, because we're coming up on, you know, the holiday fixtures. There will be games here. The sum is going to miss four. uh, And then obviously it will be into January. We'll have not only AFCON, but we'll have the Asian cup. There's going to be a lot of moving parts here in the next handful of weeks. There's also word this week, however, that Mickey Vandeven is slowly making his way back. And there was a report this week from, I believe it was from Paul O'Keefe, that Vandeven could be back in time for the FA Cup match, which I believe is against Burnley. Do I have that right? I don't. I, I should have done a better job.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, Burnley. And that's less than three weeks away. That is like in the beginning of January. There's, there's rumor he could be back in time for that. We also saw an Instagram post from James Madison of some workout equipment, so I know that's very ominous and very, um, you know, who knows what that really means, but he's obviously making his way back slowly but surely, but you're going to be without Basuma, you're going to be without Sar, you're going to be without Sunny at some point in January. Not that all of these players are midfielders, but w- what are we looking at here in terms of this team in the next handful of weeks between suspensions between injuries, between returning players, between players going off for international duty and big competitions in January because once again, is going to have like it's it's almost like Ange's completing a puzzle and someone's coming in and just moving all the pieces around on him uh, as we as we enter a new year. What do you what are you what are you looking at in terms of this team because I do not really like the idea to be completely honest of running Oliver Skip and Pierre-Amel out in a sa- in a midfield together but it kind of sounds like that might be on the horizon in some games.
2: It might be. I mean, I don't know what Giovanni Lacazette's status is, you know, how serious that knock was. Um, <laughs> we really need him back and it's that's always the frustration with him is is the fitness, like he cannot stay fit. Um, and that prevents me from fully embracing him. But yeah. And just doesn't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to his team selection. And, you know, these two newest suspensions certainly don't help because we got a situation where Ben Davis is already filling in at left center back. <laughs> so we can't have him going out to full to fullback. Like you would usually, you know, assume would be the swap when new is out. Um, so it's going to have to be Royale. I feel like because we've seen that Eric Dyer just is not a good fit for what we're doing anymore even though he was on the bench again for this game yeah Uh, he was at least healthy healthy healthy
1: enough for that yeah
2: yeah I mean at least he's like he's a a a last resort I suppose but yeah the midfield I think is the thing that that really kind of scares me in terms of you know having players out for the regional tournaments because you know I think we're gonna miss Sun hugely of course but we've we've been getting really good performances out of the other forwards lately so I feel kind of like we can deal with that for a while. But I think having Sar out is going to be a big miss. And actually that's where having Van de Ven coming back is going to be really important in terms of, I think just his his recovery pace. We're really going to need it because I feel like we're going to have some scary moments where the Hoivier skip midfield looks a little dicey and loses possession. I, I don't envy Ange. I feel like he's being dealt, every possible challenge in his first year with Spurs. Um, and for the most part, I think he's he's handled it pretty well. Sometimes I have questions about the substitution strategy, especially in terms of, like, we know the squad is thin and there are players who have been playing significant minutes. You know, Sun is a good example of that, Kulicewski. And I know we don't have ideal options to replace them necessarily, but it's going to come to a time, especially as, you know, the – the that stretch in the new year where we're missing so many players like it's I just don't even want to think about it really it's stressing me out
1: (laughs) I will say that the fixture congestion could be worse over the next six weeks or so there are only six games between now and the end of January uh, and that includes the FA Cup match so it's it's Everton next weekend the 23rd of December at home then it's a trip to Brighton Uh, The following Thursday, no Boxing Day game for Spurs, but they play on the 28th instead on Thursday, away to Brighton. Then they turn around and play New Year's Eve that Sunday at home against Bournemouth. The FA Cup game is the 5th of January. Then there's not another match until the 14th of January. That's the Man United trip. After that, it's a match on the 31st against Brentford. So there's only six games between now and the end of January. I say only, they're important games. All of them are, including the FA Cup one. But it is, you know, it's not like there are nine or ten games in the next five to six weeks. Um, it's six games, really, in like about six weeks. Some of them, there's only, a, you know, a couple days gap, that Thursday to Sunday between the 28th and 31st is, you know, it's a, it's a quick turnaround for games like that. But everybody's dealing with this. You know, all, all the teams are playing a lot of games and, uh, everybody's going to be in the cup, and you know it, it's it's a challenge for And for sure, especially with suspensions and injuries. But January could look worse. There, as of right now, like literally, there are only three games on the calendar in January. So if we're talking about losing Sun and Sar and Basuma, and I feel like I'm missing somebody still, but maybe I'm not. Maybe it's just those three that are going on international duty. But but honestly, like between suspensions, injuries, players coming back, like. I'm excited about the prospect of Van, Van and Madison returning to this team, but also I don't want them rushing back because, you know, you don't want, especially with the types of injuries that they picked up, you don't want them rushing back and re-injuring something. So you're going to have to ease them in. It's just, everybody's going to have to be rowing the boat here and, and, you know, dragging this team through the next handful of weeks, but I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for, you know, The challenge and honestly none of these games are you know a trip to brighton is tough obviously and a trip to man united is you know in in the middle of january is probably a challenge as well but none of these other games are super daunting and a lot of them are at home as well you're getting everton at home next week you're getting bournemouth you're getting the fa cup game against burnley at home it's not a trip to turf more luckily in the fa cup which in the in, in january is always you know a difficult one so a lot of these games are home as well which i think is um you know is a good thing and hopefully the fans can be there to to back them the whole way and it should be it should be a trip should be a trip over these next few weeks to see what Ange can can come up with to to piece together this puzzle of uh and obviously January too brings the possibility of signings. So Ange has already talked about the fact that they are going to be out there looking for a new center back. Um I would love to have another midfielder. Especially one that can perhaps do a little bit of what Yves Basuma can do, minus the kicking people in the shins. And obviously, I think this team could could use another attacker as well. Like, like we've had one window with Ange. A second one is gonna be an opportunity to build on what has already happened. And I'm I'm excited for that prospect as well. As as little as I like to talk about transfers, I'm ready for some some reinforcement. We talked about it on the women's side, like they've already done a lot of that work. The men's side needs it too. They need um they need reinforcements for this project as both these teams are, you know, on the ascent.
2: Yeah, I just hope they get the business done as quickly as the women's team appears to be doing because there's there's no time to waste. <laughs> Quite literally. But I think you're right. The fixtures that we have coming up the schedule could be a lot worse. And we also have to remember that, you know, I don't want to jinx our players who are out on international duty then, but there's no guarantee that they're going to play the full tournament. So there's there's always a chance we could get them back earlier than expected. But I think that Brighton game is probably going to be the toughest one. And there's always a chance that United could be getting a new manager boost. Who knows? Um, it's kind of up in the air. But yeah, I think... Yeah, I but think if it's Graham Potter, be
1: is, it really an, is it really a boost? Is it really a yeah, boost? Yeah, not
2: really. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's that's a very fair point. Uh, and, but to, to your point, there, there's no guarantee that the the, inter- the players going off international duty are gone the whole time. There's also no guarantee that they come back fully healthy either. So that's, that's always something we have to be wary of. But we will see. We'll see how it turns out.
0: Well, it's an issue, but it's not so much discipline. I mean, tonight, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen the slowed down version, but it was just a desperate lunge more than anything malicious. So, you know, the guys are... You know, having to having to sort of um, learn how to play football without sort of crossing the line. But I love the commitment they show. So, you know, we unfortunately um, we pay a price now because you not know, just with this game. He obviously misses a fair chunk of football between now and when he comes back. So it's disappointing, but it is what it is.
1: All right, I'm joined now by Todd. He wants to have his say on. Tottenham Hotspur to Nottingham Forest nil. TC, what's up, my man?
3: Oh, you know, any day, any day, my man. That you can overcome uh, another Michael Oliver hatchet job on our season uh, to come away with three points is a good fucking day. So you know, I'm not not mad at that. So for those who don't know, Michael Oliver was the VAR official that sent off Masuma. Uh, I, I was going to
1: say, wait a second, Jared Gillett was the referee. What are yeah, we talking about? Uh-huh.
3: Michael Oliver was the VAR official and the reason why we're in the position that we're in yet again. Um, the reason why a bunch of stuff didn't didn't get looked at yesterday. A bunch of reasons why we're e- we even know the name of fucking Yates uh, is because of Michael Oliver. So um, have yourself a fine day uh, PGMOL and uh, a fine weekend, by the way, that things played out today. So that's always good times. Don't want to stick uh, d- you know, too much uh, uh, time there, Andrew, but definitely wanted to lead with that just so people know what's up.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, Caroline and I talked earlier in the day, we we definitely had our say, "I look, you know me, man. I'm not one to criticize officiating. This was a poorly officiated match. Aside from what I'll say was, I think it deserved red card. and you can you can disagree with that if you want to, but I think Basuma, and that's where we kind of started our conversation. I think Basuma's got to kind of pull his head out of his ass a little bit. And, I, and that's where I want to start with you, too, because the conversation well, that Caroline and I had earlier is, is all about, is, is this team, is the way this team pl- is playing, is that leading to disciplinary stuff? Or do we just have a couple of um, guys who, who, who need to start, you know, using their heads?
3: Or do we have a couple of guys that have been circled as uh, troublemakers and are regularly sought out to give cards to, like Udogi? for um, establishing position with his shoulder and catching a yellow for it late in the match. Like, what the fuck is that? What are we talking about? Right? You know, Ibasuma, seven yellow cards and two red cards in 15 matches this season is not good. And, you know, at a certain point in time, officiating aside, you kind of have to take responsibility for your style of play. And I put that squarely at the feet of Ibasuma. Unfortunately, he's going to get about two months to think about his actions before he gets to play in a Premier League match again. Um, and so hopefully he figures his shit out. Am I going to Am I going to let the officials off the hook for being shit yet again? No. Am I going to continue to bang on about narrative-affirming decisions and about the fact that there's no consistency uh, amongst the PGMOL? Uh, absolutely. And the reason why is because that Basuma red card, just as it may have been, Straight legs stomped on today. Didn't even see a card. You look at the and Ketia issue against Vicario earlier in the season. Didn't even get a foul. Like, the thing is, is that we're not looking at a consistent set of rules that the game is being governed by. It's very subjective referee to referee, situation to situation, team to team, player to player. And, and unfortunately, that is ineffective. And when you have a a system like VAR in place, that's supposed to mitigate those mistakes. And then instead, it not only inflames a lot of those mistakes, but then on simple instances where it should be an open and shut case to everybody and their mom who can see it from home, like, I don't know, four guys being offside for that goal attempt by those clowns yesterday, um, it takes five minutes to figure it out and makes everybody clench their buttholes to make sure that they're not missing something. And I don't think that that's effective either. So was it a red card on Basuma? Yeah, probably, though. I don't know that when I looked at it, I went, oh, shit, he's gone. But the frustrating part is not the call, but it's the lack of consistency in the calls around very similar instances throughout the league this year. Basuma has to take responsibility for his actions. And I think, as I mentioned on this pod, uh, you know, in in, in previous months, as Basuma was sitting uh, for various and sundry issues, a, a lot of those yellow cards were pullback fouls, especially like the first five. A lot of them were just pullback fouls where he's just pulling people from behind or tackling from behind. Um, and so I, I I definitely think that there are certain aspects of that can be coached out of the game. Didn't we have an issue where Basuma Bifu- fucking two-footed somebody in, like, the Brighton match or something and didn't get a card that we should have? Like, this is a systemic issue on his part, and, and it, I don't think that, that that can be overlooked. Now, the most infuriating part about this is that Bentecourt is still out for however long Bentecourt is out. And so we're going to look at another PH situation, uh, especially with the out now. We're going to see Emerson Royale thrust back into action uh, at either center back or left back, which are neither one of the positions that I want to see Emerson Royale paying for the team. And so that makes it difficult. There's so many situational things that go on today, like, for example, the faux red card that was given to Raul Jimenez's ass in the newcastle match today that uh happened super early in the match and basically opened the door for newcastle who have been wildly depleted to keep pace in the premier league because they were basically gifted three points today well so rollo
1: jimenez also like goes flying through the air uncontrollably that was like kind of insane like he he, you would think a guy like that you you would think a guy like that had a little bit more control
3: saw the foul that was on Raul Jimenez about 3 or 4 minutes earlier in that match that was a blatant miss by the referee you probably might understand a little bit better while Raul went ass first in that though showing your whole ass in a premier league match is never a win it's just interesting where again narrative affirming decisions afford them, you know, present themselves, and, and referees are more than willing to take them. We'll put it that way.
1: All right, officiating stuff aside, we've kind of gotten a lot of that out of the way. Your, your mm-hmm. take on the game itself? Um, let's 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 talk. Let's talk Decky first because for sure. me he was he was incredible. Um, an assist, a goal embarrassed matt turner as matt turner deserved to be embarrassed um just give me give me your roundabout you know this was not a great performance i feel like from spurs but it's like one of those where despite the officiating stuff despite a lackluster performance it's a second straight win on the bounce and positive things going into you know the holiday fixture list
3: I see. I I totally disagree. I feel like this was an absolutely outstanding and gritty performance by statistically the best road team in the premier league. So I I honestly, like, as I was looking at this match, you you have Brennan Johnson, who's supposed to be the star boy returned, get clobbered early on, not a foul, by the way, get clobbered early on and have to go off. Um, and he's replaced and it completely changes the structure of, of what we're doing and how we're going about it. Um, and I thought, and then you lose Basuma and still have to see out the match and still have to lock the door. Vicario has more clean sheets than any other keeper in the Premier League this season. Like I thought overall, it was a very gritty and a very gutty performance. Now you opened by asking about Decky. And I will tell you, Decky's been my player of the season all year long. Decky is the most versatile forward player that we have. He is a guy that I trust from uh, a body positioning Standpoint, he's the best on the team. He has statistically uh, more chances, more non penalty chances created than any other player in the league, and more uh, um, touches in the opponent's box than any other player in the league. He's got five goals and two assists in the season from a winger position and can also play through the middle. I mean, realistically, Decky is the full package forward for Tottenham Hotspur right now. And it's fucking glorious. I love it. I love to watch Decky play. Because as we've talked about on this pod, like he's Jokic, he's, he's, he's Luka Donich. Like he's, he's that guy, you know what I mean? He's the guy that is kind of bigger, kind of a little more lumbering than he is quick, but it's silky smooth, Andrew, and he's got every touch in the bag. It's pretty awesome.
1: You brought up the the, the change in having to move uh, Decky out to the wing after the injury to Brandon Johnson. I asked Caroline the same question. Did you like that sub, bringing in Oliver Skip, or would you have rather seen Brian Heal in more of a straight swap for for Brendan Johnson?
3: Well, the reason why I liked that swap in that moment um, is because of the defense that uh, that they were playing yesterday. It it was essentially – Low block encounter, low block encounter, low block encounter. Brian's more of a one on one specialist. I thought Sun was doing a really, really good job on the wing one on one with Intravest and through the middle. Um, and so if you keep Decky there at the top and rotate Sun up, um, or I'm sorry, rotate Decky uh, up then essentially you've got Brian heel trying to do all the running that Oliver skip ended up doing. And that's not a a place where we, we win the way that we rotated defensively on like, you know, counters or breakaways. I thought Oliver skip was the right man for the job there.
1: I think that's, I think that's a fair point. Not something that I had really thought about. What about Richarlison? Caroline This is another thing that Caroline and I kind of touched on just the fact that, you know, another goal for him, and mm-hmm. it's so funny that all of a sudden he has surgery and he looks like he's reaching more of his capability and his potential because mm-hmm. his health is is back. Where where are you with with Richie?
3: Well, the interesting thing is, so he's a gutty player, right? And that's the thing that Ange said when he was flashing shots wide and stuff and, and, and missing the mark earlier in the season. Ange kept coming out and saying, like, Richie's not playing bad. Like, you know, his work rate is up there. Defensively, he presses like a champion. He's involved in everything good that's going on. But, Andrew, anybody who's, who's quote, played through pain or, or put off an in, or put off a surgery to try to finish the season or do whatever – will tell you after they've had it repaired that you don't really understand how much pain you push through until you're not in pain anymore. And so it re- you really do get like kind of a new lease on life once you're like, oh my God, oh, wait a second, I can jump and it doesn't feel like someone's stabbing me in the groin. That sounds amazing right now. And I think that that's what we're seeing from Richie is is, just kind of a, a rejuvenation he still has a shit first touch and he's still a horrible finisher if we're calling it what it is but if we can continue to put the ball in his head in the box he's going to get 15 goals this year
1: yeah i mean geez the the, the finish was pretty good although uh, to your point the service was incredible that thing was on a platter for him from decky uh, who's just being, i mean it's been out of it's he's been playing out of his mind
3: Decky put a ball on Pedro Poro's head in the box that Poro flashed wide, and Poro looked around and looked at Decky like, holy shit, how did that get here? Decky was on one yesterday, man.
1: Where, where else do you want to go with this game specifically before we start to look ahead? Because there is, there is a lot to look ahead to and stuff that, that, that Kaz and I kind of touched on. But what, what, else, what, are the, what else stood out to you? Cootie Romero, go ahead. We want to talk
3: about Cootie Romero. We want to talk about how much of a difference Cootie Romero makes in possession for this Tottenham Hotspur team. Because what he does defensively and, and marshalling the back and fucking people up and all the things that Cootie does is wonderful and he's great at it. The poise that he has on the ball and his ability from a center back position to transition the ball fluidly into attack is not something that any of the other center backs that we have do as well. The other thing is, is that his ability to control the tempo of possession in our own third when it's tight is better than than arguably anybody in the league right now and i i don't know that we have the success and fluidity playing out the back without him i think mean, i think it's massive oh well, i think we saw that it, yeah
1: more power yes thank you for thank you for saying his name his name was said earlier in this pod as well which i appreciated uh, and not by me first so i love that mm-hmm. um I I think you're right. And we saw we saw Cootie's absence, obviously, in the games that he missed after the red card against Chelsea. And we did see just a difference in that ability to play it out the back. And that's something this team obviously likes to do. And when it's able to do, can can push forward and can just be more be more calm. Look, Nottingham Forest did not present a lot of um, attacking prowess, if you will. But when they did you knew you had cootie there to calm things down and to step forward and step out and do good things. And I I think that's, um that's kind of always appreciated. If you ask me, <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's always kind of a presence there. And with the news that, uh, or at least the report that Mickey Van De Ven could be a little bit less than three weeks away from a return. Maybe we get that, that glorious center back partnership back, uh, not that, as you mentioned, not that Ben Davis has been a problem on the left side. He's uh, he's been quite good, but there there is a a level of health that this team is looking to start to try and get to. And we even saw James Madison posting some things about you know with some workout equipment. Uh, the the health of this team is on the uprise as well, despite suspensions and players going off to Afcon and and the Asian Championships. Like there's a lot of of stuff in the weeks ahead um going forward we got to get through this
3: boxing list we got to get through this this boxing day fixture list like the the end of the year fixture list is such a fucking mess right now if you want to read them off to the folks just so they know it's wild stuff
1: well i'll tell you caroline and i went over it a little bit earlier so not to repeat it for for the listeners but i want you to, to recognize this too it's actually not as bad as you might think, because there are only between now and the end of January, six games. So that's about six weeks, and there's only six games. Do you, that say, includes now, did
3: you say now and the end of January? Yes. How many of those are between now and the end of December, though?
1: Well, there are only three between now and the end of December, because there's three, only three matches in the month of January. Now, there is a little bit of congestion there in terms of when those games are played but you've got next Saturday. A little bit against of congestion. Ever- Just a little bit, honestly. And, and and then let me read it off to you. because okay. uh, And this will be good for the listeners because I want you to... One, they, they, they heard this, but I want them to hear your reaction to this. You've got next Saturday against Everton at home. Then you have a Thursday trip on the 28th. You don't play Boxing Day. You have the, the game on the 28th away to Brighton. That's a tough trip, but, you know... That is what it is. It's a Thursday game. Then you play the following Sunday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, back at home against Bournemouth. Then you play on Friday the 5th against Burnley. That's the FA Cup match. Then you don't have another match until Sunday the 14th. That's the trip to Manchester United. And then you don't have another match after that until the 31st of January, a Wednesday game at home to Brentford. So it's six games. Only two of them are away from home as well.
3: Okay, so... Circle that Manchester United match for the time being, and, and and put a pin in it. We're going to come back to it. But as you're looking at those other fixtures, the one away uh, to Everton next weekend is is not going to be fun. Uh, it, they it, are it's it's match.
1: home. It's home. But I'm but sorry, it's still... uh,
3: home. They they are absolutely flying. Our Everton. They are. Um, and we're going to be missing Udagi and Basuma. Um, in addition to to what we're already set up for. And then you said, after that, we got to go away to Brighton on the 28th. So that 28th-31st, that's a Thursday-Sunday turnaround?
1: Correct. Which isn't, and which isn't
3: great. Right. But that's not terrible. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. For some reason, I was thinking that there was a game the following weekend. But if you're saying that that's – what day is that fifth uh, match that's against a, Burnley? Cause th-
1: that's on the Friday. So you go Thursday, Sunday, Friday.
3: That's really not bad. It's really it's you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But as I looked at that on the calendar, it was a lot worse than I thought. And you're saying that there's a two. so there's an international break in January there anyway, which is nice. That Manchester United match is, is pretty messy. We're going to be without SAR, Basuma and Sun just from international duty. And there's no everybody's circling that Burnley match for Madison and Vandventt.
1: Well, for we're, Van de Ven, where I I I I think Madison's a little bit behind Van de Ven, and and we don't know yeah. that for sure with Van de Ven either. But there's a possibility of it. So,
3: do we have any idea how long Bentancur is going to be out, or when he's going to be back, or if we're going to I, see I, him? Has news heard of anything, Andrew? I
1: I think the rumor is that that's more of looking toward February, not Fuck. not a January thing. So, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. But it could be. My only point is, it could be a lot worse. You're looking at six games in six weeks. And sure, there's a couple of them that are a little tighter, but there's some gaps there too. That Man United game is sandwiched between a game. It's on the 14th and it's sandwiched between games on the 5th and the 31st. So there's a gap there. And while, yes, you are going to be missing some of these key players, not only in your midfield, but also... Our with, best with finisher, runner,
3: our best midfielder, yeah. and our best defensive back.
1: Yes, 100%. But... That this is the hand you're dealt, and and the job now is for Ange to come up with a solution and come up with you know a plan for that. So
3: okay, so pause. I I think that that's a great segue right now. What What type of reinforcements is Ange going to get early in the January window so that we can actually do something with that Man United or that? Did you say Bournemouth on the thirty-first match?
1: Uh, it's Brentford on the thirty first. the Bournemouth the game, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Brent, Brent Bournemouth is actually on december thirty first Brentford on right. january thirty first. but but regardless, okay. uh, y- y- yes, er, er, I think the keyword you use there that we are unsure about is early. And I know we know that they're targeting a center back. We know that there could be there w- we would love for there to be helping. In the midfield and as well as is in attack, but we just don't know at this point. You know, we, we, we we've heard about signings on the women's side that haven't been announced. We haven't heard about that on the men's side, and we don't know. So we what, haven't heard anything.
3: It's been so. No. This window has been so hush from everybody involved. I mean, we're starting to hear some rumblings and some names be thrown about. The majority of them, candidly are motherfuckers you and I have never heard of from obscure teams in Italy and Croatia and all these other fucking places. The only name that's actually popped up on our radar that's that's of note is um, Calvin Phillips from Man City, which I would love, but I don't necessarily know that that guy makes the decision to come from Man City to Tottenham to be a rotational center mid.
1: Obviously, there always has to be a a slight betting-in period, too, for whoever comes in, um, especially when you're talking about a new system and just a, a way of playing. So it, it is the wild card in all of this. And would it be nice for there to be uh, a new player announced on the 4th of January and you know, that player playing by the 14th, like that would be great, but who knows if that'll happen. We have to kind of cross our fingers and hope that reinforcements will, will come along. But if we know Tottenham Hotspur, we know that those players will probably be signed on the 24th instead of the 4th. Uh, exactly. And, you know, we'll, won't, won't be... we'll see him
3: by no, we'll see him by February. Yeah.
1: Right. We'll see him by, by mid February. So who knows?
3: That is our life as Tottenham Hotspur supporters is all right. Well, are you actually gonna do the thing that we need you to do or are you gonna not do anything?
1: We shall see. It'll be an exciting January yeah, regardless. Because okay. there's gonna be a lot of moving parts. So
3: so talk to me about this Everton match coming up. How do you see how do you see us setting up? What are the biggest concerns from Everton that you see? for next
1: week well we're going to talk in the immediacy of this i I mean obviously as you mentioned it's probably emerson royale out on the left um which i don't love but it's kind of an is what it is situation otherwise you're gonna you know eric dyer made the bench but if you want to stick him at center back and throw ben davis out on the left i'd almost rather see emerson play on the left and just
3: meet you for the best leave ben where Uh, he is
1: yeah, in terms of the midfield, I guess Brennan Johnson seems to be okay so you can play Kulisevsky in the midfield, play Brennan Johnson as as a winger and behind Kulisevsky, I guess you could go with Sar and Skip or Hoybier. I guess I, I I would probably prefer Hoybier. Um I would prefer Hoybier. But, but but that's not I mean anything involving Skip or Hoybier is not ideal, but then again, as I mentioned with Caroline I'm kind of overseeing Ibisuma for a while and part of that's forced and part of that's because I don't want to see Ibisuma because he hasn't been good and he's he's got a disciplinary record that has been you know less than stellar so I don't think a ton changes other than you know the force changes with Udogi ah. and Basuma being out yeah. because of the suspensions for for this match what Everton presents is God a team that since the the the, the 10 points being docked just a team that's playing with a a fire under their ass and a tenacity that I I don't think you're fearful of, but you're, you're, you're aware of at least. And you need to not go into this game thinking, Oh, it's just Everton.
3: No, for sure. I I mean, Everton, you know, unbeaten in their last four match or four uh, away matches Uh, you know, they're winners of their last three, you know, including wins against Chelsea and Newcastle. You know they're definitely on form. My the, the good thing about that team is that uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is dog shit, and so you know if we're they're going to score, their chances are going to come from set pieces. Um, I think that you know with with McNeil and Tarkowski, like they got some quality players in the back, and actually I don't mind their midfield, Decoro and and uh, and uh, NY cfc product jack harrison doing some things over there for them it's not terrible either i agree with you my only concern andrew and i'm curious as to your thoughts on this is the status of brendan johnson for this upcoming match uh do we think that the head injury is going to be light enough that he'll be out there playing or are we gonna have to go through concussion protocol
1: Ange said there was no concussion he said it was just a cut So, you know, that was in the, in the post game. Um, It sounds like he's going to be fine. So uh, you you can never, you can never be sure about those kinds of things, but certainly with, you know, a little more than a week uh, since the game played yesterday, Friday to next Saturday, you would, you would think he will be okay. Patch him up and, and, you know, get him out there. If not, it, 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 it could be, it could unfortunately be a situation where you're looking at skip and Hoya with Kulosevsky out on the wing uh, and Sar or Brian s- Hill that mix or Brian Heal, yeah, and and that's not something you would want. But I, I just you know you don't want to take Everton lightly. Like I said, this is a team that yeah. um, is already seven points clear of the drop zone, which they had fallen into briefly when they got the deduction. If they didn't have the dedu- deduction on their hands, they would be level on points with Brighton in eighth right now. Um, yeah. Instead, they're in sixteenth. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's a, a huge jump and a huge fall that they made because of the points deduction. So. You know, you have to look at this team a little bit like uh, you know, it's it's an eight-win team that sits in sixteenth, which is very strange wow. just because of the point yeah. So yeah. They've they've won eight of their seventeen and they're in sixteenth place, but and who knows when and if that'll be reversed. So that's where we're at. Uh we you know, Everton and I, I, I also can take some some appreciation in the fact that the game is home and the game is a couple of days before christmas so hopefully it'll be a festive atmosphere the fans can get out uh and and back the club and you know get them that doesn't the, make the
3: any better on the ball though andrew no it's it great. doesn't um...
1: but you know you 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 know what a li- look you've been in that stadium and you know what a lift yep. the the south stand can give to the players on the pitch we saw it at the women's game against arsenal uh today mm-hmm. in, in in getting their oh, historic
3: no victory so yeah That's indeed right No, any time that North London is 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 officially white is a good day. Um, I'm I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, Last thing, Sunny, second game on the row, uh, second game in a row out on the wing. It seems like this is what Ange wanted all along. Is this something that we're happy about? Do we feel that we're going to get the most out of Sun from that position, or do we feel as though? Maybe if we were to sign another one-on-one left wing specialist in the, in, in the window that we could move Sun back up front and bring Richarlison off the bench.
1: I think that, well, before I get to that part, look, if, if they're going to bring in another attacker and just have another option, even if it's another option, that's not Brian heel, like all in favor. Sure. Give me the bodies, give me the, the options for Ange. But when you're just talking about sunny out on the wing and Richarlison playing through the middle, I think that as long as Richarlison's uh, pelvic area allows him to open up his hips and have the flexibility and, and the wherewithal to do what he's been doing, not just with finishing, but with just his overall game, which I've really liked, I think if he has the health and the wherewithal to do what he's doing and jump up and be the platter that Dekey can serve you know onto the head. I like what Sonny's doing out on the wing and I think I think there's something to to what you said about this is what Ange wanted all along. Ange would like health for all of his players to be to, to be fully capable and I'm interested to see Richarlison and by the way especially when we look to an Everton team next week which I'm sure he would love to score against. Let's see what Richarlison can continue to do in this position with a healthy pelvic bone <laughs> and body like let's let's see him continue to elevate his play and uh and see if sunny can't you know because i i've i've liked what i've seen from sunny on the wing and i i don't think that it that i don't think that is limited to him just cooking here in trippier like i think that he sunny can still be sunny out on the wing I, I don't think he's over being that dude out there as well
3: no i agree i i think that uh, those couple of games where he got to play up front that month or whatever helped kind of preserve his legs, especially with the injury and, you know, issues that he's been dealing with on his own. So I guess you're, you're saying that you would, that you and Ange and everybody is just kind of resolved to, you know, resign to the fact that, that we're just going to have to watch Richie miss a sitter at every match and we'll keep it moving and just like have to look at it and be like, well, you know what? If that was Sun, that would have scored, but it's not. So hopefully we'll get another one soon. But Never if he's read. getting
1: four, but if he's getting four or five of those chances a game, and he's hitting one or two of them and missing three of them, I'm uh, okay. Like if he's getting the ample opportunities, you know, I'm I'm down with that. It's at least we're not playing the type of game under the previous two managers where you're getting two chances a game and you've got to hit them both. No, and I got you. Eight it's just... chances, we're getting eight big chances a game, and if you if you miss five of them, you've still hit three. You know.
3: And it's just my issue is the way that Angela's system is set up. We get a lot of touches in the opponent's box. Okay, but the striker is very few touches. And their job mm-hmm. is to bury those touches, be clinical with those touches, right? Charleston is notably club footed when it comes to trying touches in the box. He is the 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 anti-Brazilian touch. Him and and Emerson came up in the same school of, of dribbling. Is the most clinical finisher in in the history of the Premier League statistically, and so, like my my feeling is, though he's not as good with his head, he will finish more of those touches on those little things in the box. Getting the most out of the personnel we have,
1: I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think we need to give Richarlison a little bit more leeway with his full health now in 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 check, hopefully. Uh, to prove that he can, because he doesn't need to touch the ball a lot in the box. That, that's not what a striker does in Ange's system. He just nope. needs to be there to, you know, to finish. And if he can continue to finish at the rate that he has in the past couple of matches since he's returned to full fitness, uh, thumbs up from me. I'm I'm on board with 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 his finishing rate right now.
3: Okay. I am gonna take this two-game sample size as long uh, with you, yeah. And, and we're gonna say that right, this is healthy, and this is what we get. I'm with. It's
1: you. three. It's three goals in two games, man. And I get that it's a, only a two-game sample size, but if if it continues, long may it continue. You know, let let that let that let that be the case. Uh, that's gonna do it for this edition of the Tottenham Depot TC. Thanks so much for jumping on with me, my friend. You can follow him at TC underscore show. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefco. follow me at a stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot and leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back with you next week, following that Everton match. And uh, as we barrel toward the holidays, we say as always, come on, you Spurs Come on you Spurs.